Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Now it's time for Inside the Clubhouse, a show dedicated to the Chicago baseball fan, featuring the best Chicago baseball conversation, as well as the big MLB topics, along with the biggest names, greatest guests, and listener interaction, starring score baseball insider Bruce Levine and half of Chicago's number one sports morning show, David Haw, on Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com, a radio.com Sports Station, presented by Bet Rivers Sportsbook. Chicago, happy Saturday to all you baseball fans out there. Welcome back inside the clubhouse where we talk baseball 52 weeks a year right here from the Hyundai Score Studios. And today we have the Astros and Dusty Baker celebrating, the White Sox watching and wondering what might have been, the Cubs reshaping their front office. We also have Bruce Levine, who's here to share the wisdom of his experience. Good morning, Bruce. Good morning, David, and I am excited about these playoffs. Uh, if you can stay up to four and a half hours for these games, uh, you are going to enjoy uh, a great entertainment from uh, Dusty Baker and his team now advancing to the World Series, and we will find out within the next two days whether it's the Dodgers or the Atlanta Braves moving on. But uh, the postseason is interesting, to say the least, and uh, Dusty Baker at age 72 being the uh, second uh, oldest man to ever take a team to the World Series now advancing on. And certainly anytime Dusty does something, uh, it uh, reverberates here in Chicago, doesn't it, David? Absolutely. I think a lot of people cringe when they see Dusty Baker becoming the ninth manager to go to the World Series or win a pennant in, in both leagues. And some people very happy still for Dusty Baker because of the impression he left here in Chicago and frankly he's just a fascinating guy a good guy for anybody who has spent more than five minutes around him a lot of people cheering for Dusty Baker they go to the World Series which begins Tuesday after beating the Red Sox last night Bruce I think they've got they got a clutch performance out of Luis Garcia five and two-thirds hitless innings Jordan Alvarez the MVP of the ALCS he he is a slugger 24 year old uh, Cuban uh, power hitter in the middle of that lineup. That is the, the Astros. Not only do they have the big three, they've got some young talent that are you know, responsible for getting them to this point. They're going to be tough to beat regardless of who comes out of this uh, weekend's uh, two games in, in the NLCS. And, and David, uh, I guess the question to you and our, our great baseball listening audience out there is if you're a Chicago White Sox fan now, do you feel better or do you feel worse about the fact that your team lost to the Houston Astros and Dusty Baker? Uh, they were 
you know, sent to the uh, brick, sent sent to the bench after uh, just uh, four ball games. Uh, the White Sox managed to win one. Um, Houston was dominant in that series. It was a little wonky for them in Boston with Boston in the first three, but after being down two games to one, they dominated uh, through the rest of this. So White Sox fans and David, in particular, you at this point. Um, is is this a better thing for White Sox Nation to feel, or is it worse knowing that uh, if you got past the Houston Astros, you would be the team sitting there waiting for the team to play between uh, Atlanta and Los Angeles tonight? That's a good point to start the, the conversation. 312-644-6767, Bruce, because I think that if you're the White Sox, you just wanted to get into the postseason off-season portion uh, as soon as possible and kind of look away from the ALCS because you had such high hope, because it did feel like it was World Series or bust. You know, and and there are two different ways to look at it. You know, number one, the the Astros, they're not going anywhere, as I just referenced some of the young talent they have. But also, after four games, Bruce, their starting pitching only had given them six and two-thirds innings. Their starting pitchers had not been guys that you could count on because – they had some health issues. They had some consistency problems. But then things got uh, very different. So I think if you're the Sox, you're like, okay, you know, does this mean that it, starting pitching matters or it doesn't matter? I, I think the secret of the Astros is found in that lineup, which is you know, relentless, which is the, the point that they made against the White Sox. So I don't know that this is a, a takeaway from, from the White Sox perspective where you say, okay, we're going to be able to duplicate this. We're going to be able to do what they do. You, you just have to get hot at the right time and have your lineup uh, w- with enough guys who you just don't know on any given day who's going to step forward and carry you. Yeah, I'm going to have to differ with you. Uh, I know we don't uh, have difference of opinion very often on this show, but uh, when it comes to the Astros, it became all about the pitching. Uh, that, that was the turnaround here for them. Uh, you, you mentioned it coming in. Valdez and uh, then uh, Garcia, uh, the Boston Red Sox scored one run in the last 26 innings that they played against the Houston Astros. So it was indeed about starting pitching. It was indeed about young arms. It was indeed about the fact that the White Sox pitchers, uh, the starting pitching just wasn't there at all against the Houston Astros. Now, certainly you're right about the fact that Houston has a mighty offense and uh, can can hammer with everybody. But Boston's right there with them. Uh, the, the starting pitching just came back and dominated them in these last uh, three games to the point where uh, it, it wasn't even a contest, uh, you know, over these last three. Uh, it was just last night and the night before was just going to watch and see how many runs Houston was going to be able to score because Boston was completely shut down. But, Bruce, I don't think it, it, when, it, when I talk about takeaways, I guess sometimes you watch a team succeed in the postseason after you're eliminated or after you fail to make the playoffs, and you say, oh, gee, you know, and, and this is not just fans. This is executives. I mean, every league is a copycat league, and they say, I want to do that better. I need to do this better, and I need to frame my roster, construct it so we do those things better, which help us get further in the playoffs. I, I guess I just don't know if there's any one thing besides the obvious relentlessness of that, that lineup that says to me, well, the Sox can't do this because they have the starting pitching, which arguably 
and not even arguably, the starting pitching for the White Sox was better than the Astros in the regular season. So you went into October feeling probably better about that aspect of your team than the Astros had a right to do. And you're exactly right. The, the, the series turned when Valdez gave him eight strong and Garcia did what he did last night. And they're, they're advancing because of that. But I guess from the White Sox perspective, there's nothing, there's no one aspect where they say, well, we, we've got to do this better. They've got better starting pitching. They just have guys who didn't rise to the occasion in the way these Astros pitchers did. Yeah, I, you know, again, uh, pitching and defense go hand in hand, and I don't think the White Sox can play with Houston defensively. Uh, not, not at this point. Uh, I mean, I, I'm not picking apart the White Sox and saying they're that much less than Houston because you're right. They had excellent starting pitching all year long until it started to crumble a little bit from injury and fatigue. Uh, in the last uh, six weeks of the season. But uh, this was a team that um, has some work to do in the offseason because of the fact that over the last 120 games, they were a 500 team. And, and uh, that that is not what they're looking for to be a world champion. I, I think that Rick Hahn and Kenny Williams and Jerry Reinsdorf, along with La Russa, they are going to, they are, are going to, add a lot to this team because they have to. Uh, I, I don't think they're of the caliber of Houston at this point. Uh, I, I think that they need starting pitching, one more one more top starter to go along with the very good starting pitching they have. I think they need uh, some defensive help uh, at second base. I don't think Hernandez is the answer there. And I think they need a very strong defensive backup catcher. Now, those things seem like little things, and they really are because the White Sox, the way they're constructed, are a very good team. Very good team and winning a World Series might be two different things. 312-644-6767. What do you think? How will you watch the World Series, especially if you're a Sox fan watching the Astros still playing? Bruce, I think there are three things to watch from a Chicago prism in this World Series. Number one, and I want to get, get what you think about this. We need to revisit the Dusty Baker idea. I know you have a, a rapport and a relationship that goes back a long way with Dusty. I think people are going to look at Dusty in different ways in Chicago. Number two, I think a lot of Cubs fans may see Carlos Correa and start tapping their wrist and say, hey, it's our time, Carlos. Come on to the north side and help us get back to the playoffs. And number three, there's just going to be, whether it's a, a higher percentage of Sox fans or just baseball fans, in general, who are going to watch the Astros and still think they're cheating their way to victory because that's a hard label to shed once you do what they did to win that way. And I think those are the three different ways that I think from a Chicago baseball fan's perspective, we may look at the Astros in this World Series. You know, if you get the idea that I'm disappointed in the White Sox, I'm I'm really not. I I mean, I I think that um, they, they did take a huge step up. They did a lot of right things in the offseason to get there uh, with the upper management getting the right players. Uh, they, they did a lot of right things under Tony La Russa during the regular season. There was tremendous growth uh, among some of their young players. Uh, in particular, uh, you know, you look at the pitchers like Crochet and you look at the pitchers, uh, you know, like uh, Kopech. And, and then you look at the position players like Vaughn and Sheets. There's a lot to be positive about when you look at the Chicago Cup, uh, White Sox. And so it's not doom and gloom that I'm looking at. It's 
taking final steps to be able to solidify their chances the next time they make it. I expect the White Sox to be in the playoffs the next two or three years. I, I don't I don't think that should be even a problem, considering, from what I understand, with the CBA, uh, you know, being talked about and changed uh, among Major League Baseball and the Players Association, there's going to be expanded playoffs uh, from now on. And that that's a guarantee. There'll be a DH, there'll be expanded playoffs. So with that in, in, in mind, the White Sox, you know, barring major injuries to multiple players, they're going to be uh, they're going to be knocking at the door every single year to be going deep into the playoffs. But that doesn't mean there isn't a lot of work to be done. Bruce, I'm not going to call you a curmudgeon, but I will lean into your experience when I ask this next question. Is Dusty Baker the best manager never to win a World Series? Uh, he is right now center stage. There's there's no doubt about it. Uh, and, and he has been for a long time. Look, this is a man that's taken five different franchises to the playoffs, something that no one else has ever done. But it's always been, you know, on Dusty's shoulder that he couldn't win the big game, right? So 2002, Game Seven uh, of the uh, of the World Series, couldn't get it done there. Bullpen falls apart. They lose to the Angels. 2003, Chicago Cubs. Uh, they're ahead uh, with one game to win to go to the World Series. Couldn't win game six and seven. Now, anybody realistic will look at those teams and go, it was the players. It was not Dusty Baker uh, that failed in those situations. But, you know, Dusty had to carry around the fact that he burned pitchers out, you know, the, the, pri- the prior in the wood and, you know, all that 125 and 130 pitches, which guys threw back then. That was the, the beginning of the end of 125 and 130 pitch pitchers, if you remember correctly. That That is the demarcation point of teams kind of dumbing down what they expect from starting pitchers. So Dusty has had to carry this around for an awful long time. Uh, I, I just think that he's been an excellent players manager for his entire career. Uh, at times ran afoul of the front office because he uh, – he was so much a player's guy that uh, sometimes he would push the uh, the rhetoric, it's us against everybody, including them, the people in the front office, who didn't supply us with X, Y, and Z to get us over the top. We're going to win anyway. We know a guy who knows Dusty pretty well, Chip Carey. We'll be talking to him at 940. Look forward to catching up with the Braves TV voice. Also, Bruce, big show today. Randy Bush, 10 o'clock, the outgoing Cubs executive, 1040. Matt Spiegel, our teammate here at The Score from the Parkinson Spiegel Show, will talk about the podcast, The Run. Great look back at the 2016 Cubs World Series championship. And, and you know, I, I think that we, we look at the, the White Sox and how they're viewing this uh, World Series, and we also have the Cubs who are kind of in that state of transition, wanting to get back there. And they're in the state of – of uh, reshaping their front office. Jason McLeod uh, yesterday broke on The Athletic. Patrick Mooney reporting that the uh, veteran executive, been here for 10 years, oversaw the scouting and player development departments. Um, He is moving on, and we will talk about that as well as we move forward. But we want to talk to you, 312-644-6767. And the score listener line is powered by BetQL. Bet smarter, beat the books. Download the BetQL app today 
or visit betql.com. That's where we find Mike. Mike, good morning and welcome inside the clubhouse. Good morning, fellas. Love your show. Um, as a lifelong White Sox fan, I'm 68 years old. I've been a season ticket holder for the last 17 years. I just don't want them to win the division and get eliminated like Cleveland and Minnesota the last four or five years. If you look at the White Sox, they strike out much, much, too much. That's a glaring difference that they have with them in Houston. Tim Anderson, great ball player, but somebody's got to talk to this kid and say, Timmy, you might hit 325, 330 if you start looking at some pitches. Abreu, mm. if you went to arbitration with Abreu, you'd hammer him. He leads the major leagues in hitting into double plays. He has the last three years. He strikes out too much. If you look from one to nine, and let's not even talk about Hernandez, much, much too much strikeouts. I mean, that is the one issue they must address. And the other thing, they got to stop playing station to station baseball. Guys, have a great day. All right, Mike. Mike thank you. Call. Bruce, when you start to list of things of White Sox uh, grievances, your, your, your priority list of things to correct. How high is Tim Anderson and Jose Abreu on it? I was surprised that that would be the first two things he identified as issues with the White Sox offense. Well, I think the difference between the offense of the Houston Astros and the Chicago White Sox is mainly about patience in the batter's box. Uh, um, obviously, uh, there's better balance in the Houston lineup with a little bit more power. But uh, to me... You have hitters that have been successful with the Chicago White Sox, gotten to the major leagues, become star or uh, on the cusp of being a star players. It's very difficult for Frank Menachino, the hitting coach, or Tony La Russa, the manager, to say to Tim Anderson or to Jose Abreu, you know what, uh, you need to change your hitting approach. You need to walk more. Uh, you need to be more selective. We need to work these pitchers more. Uh, that is, uh, unfortunately, the one guy that is, is the most selective is your, your catcher, Grandal. He's the guy that sees the most pitches. He's the guy that walks the most. Um, and, and give the White Sox credit for bringing him in, identifying that left-handed bat. Even though he's a switch hitter, it's mostly a left-handed bat. And the ability to take a walk. Uh, now, the, the ability to take a walk, David, for certain players is overrated. For guys that can't run like Grandal and Abreu, taking a walk is tremendously overrated to me. Uh, guys like Anderson, Mancata, um, uh, Robert, taking walks, that's a different animal because that, that can be an automatic double once they walk. Okay, that, that creates tension on the defense and on the pitcher to keep those runners on base and to keep them close. Uh, that's a whole different dynamic. So in that case, I'm a big proponent of a walk, but it depends on the individual player. So I know we're going deep into this right now. Well, uh, no, it's, we'll it's, it's, it's relevant, though, because it relates to, you know, how the White Sox compare to the Astros, what went wrong and, and what they do to try to fix it and make them more like the team that beat them like a drum in the in the postseason. Offense is one side, Bruce. The other side is the pitching. 3-1-2 texter who, who's, a, who's a regular listener points this out and, and I, it's a fair it's a fair comment number he says I don't agree with your assessment of the White Sox pitching it was overrated and they showed it in the playoffs Bruce is right since June the Sox were a 500 team do you think we do that in in a lot of markets do you think we've done that with the White Sox is maybe overrate or 
they're they're starting pitching because of you know everything is relative and, and it's so much better than they've had that we tend to do that or do you think that um they they uh, just you? were a really they had the one of the best rotations in baseball but they just didn't rise to the occasion in october i think on this radio station uh it's been pointed out and it was pretty fair coverage of the fact that the white Sox had difficulty against plus 500 teams uh, that they had difficulty on the road uh that those were things that people weren't quite sure how they felt about this team going into the playoffs because of those areas. And I think, you know, possibly, you know, some of that came to fruition. Uh, You know, you shouldn't punish the White Sox and be angry with them because they were in a weaker division and they pounded the people in their division. Uh, But did it soften them up to the point of not understanding what it was going to take to win in the playoffs? I can't answer that for you. I can only throw out that premise. And I think, uh, for the most part, what I heard on our station all all summer long was people questioning whether they're going to be playoff ready or not. And the Astros, you have to give them grudging respect because even though they they are the team that beat the White Sox, they lose players in the offseason, whether it's George Springer or whoever, and they replace them. And they have young talent in the pipeline coming up, and they do have the core that has you know, been to five straight ALCSs, and now they're going to the World Series beginning Tuesday. Dusty Baker, the ninth manager to win pennants in both leagues. He gets a chance to win his first World Series. So we'll we'll switch gears here, Bruce, when we come back. We're going to talk to the Cubs. We had a very interesting interview on Mullion Haw this week with Carter Hawkins, the new Cubs general manager. They've had some other changes along the way. We will address them next. It's inside the clubhouse here at Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. You know, there, there is no secret sauce. And my, my wife, as I was walking out the hotel room this morning, she says, don't say processes again. You said processes way too much yesterday. <laughs> I said, okay, I got it. <laughs> uh, yeah, if, you, if, you had, if you had chosen processes on your buzzword bingo yesterday during the press conference, you would have been a big winner. Yeah. Um, but but that's, the, uh, that's the gist of it, though. I mean, it, it's – it's being really deliberate in all of our decisions. It's being really deliberate in the plans that we have. It's taking all that information that you just mentioned, the you know how the ball's moving, how the body's moving. You know all those things that you mentioned are just measuring devices, and uh, and the thing that you know the the newer age game of baseball has been able to do is measure things at a more detailed level than they ever have been before. But if you throw that all at a pitcher, you throw a lot of stuff at anybody, they get confused. Um, and so you got to figure out how to distill it down to really simple to understand information which is hard. You know, one of my favorite quotes of all time is I would have written you a shorter letter, but I didn't have the time. Um, and it's kind of similar in pitching. That's it's good. like, Hey, like how can we get this down to something simple that we can all get behind? And when you get a lot of people behind one little thing, uh, you can move a long way. Welcome back inside the clubhouse. Positive sports radio, six, seven the score. That was the voice of Carter Hawkins, the new cub general manager who, was named and introduced on Monday at Wrigley Field. He joined us Tuesday on the Mully and Haw Show. That was part of that interview. Bruce, I thought he was really likable, more relaxed a day later than he was maybe on Monday at the introductions. He represented himself well on both occasions. Bright young executive comes from, from the Indians where they have a knack for developing pitching. And there is no secret sauce, as he pointed out to us, but I do think that he brings something important in the way of that experience and drafting the right pitchers, identifying who they are, and making the right call. What was your overall impression of Carter Hawkins' first couple days on the job? Uh, Very confident, cool, collected, and uh, the right guy to to bring in. I can't tell you what the results are going to be. 
I can't tell you uh, how he's going to fit in and function, but I can tell you uh, by having talked to uh, people that he's worked with and worked for uh, that it's it's a tremendous work ethic and it's a tremendous mind to go along with uh, his baseball acumen, not but just in general. And uh, as you guys saw on, on your show, uh, a good sense of humor, which you're going to need uh, because things aren't always going to work out, as you know. But uh, putting his imprint uh, on this team, I think we're we're seeing it happen very quickly. Uh, you pointed to the fact that uh, Randy Bush, our, our guest uh, at the top of the next hour, who is assistant general manager, is uh, stepping down on his own and taking on some scouting responsibilities. Uh, Jason McLeod is reported by uh, The Athletic and confirmed when a conversation I had with Jason is uh, moving on to another organization after being here for 10 years, being one of the uh, three-headed monster along with uh, uh, Epstein and Hoyer of the guys that made everything happen here uh, after coming in exactly 10 years ago uh, on uh, Thursday to uh, take over the Chicago Cubs. 10 years went pretty quick. If you if you look at it in the perspective of, I mean, that's uh, a whole decade uh, of these executives being here. And now uh, two of those top executives have uh, have departed and it's uh, Hoyer bringing in new people to run the organization with him. And Bruce, that was a great Cub team. And as Jed Hoyer talks and Carter Hawkins echoed, they want to build the next great Cub team. When they do, as they try, do you think that next great Cub team will be comprised of more pitchers who they buy in free agency or who they draft and develop because of the, you know, the input of guys like Carter Hawkins or because of the way that they're able to draft right. and develop strong pitching in a way that they really haven't done successfully? Yeah, I mean, look, uh, Jason McLeod's uh, getting bashed, and uh, it, it, in some cases, some of it's fair. A lot of it is unfair because the Cubs, as a front office, decided to throw their money at pitching for free agency, and it worked out beautifully. Uh, they had a great run. They won the World Series. They went to the NLCS three times. They were a playoff-caliber team for six years in a row. That said, uh, I think that you're going to see this the, the script flipped totally and you're going to see pitching as the priority and carter hawkins as the lead guy into uh people signing developing and getting major league uh pitchers to uh clark and addison as a part of the next winning team and that's the way to go i mean look a lot of people have arms they're winning right now with uh guys that throw 97 98 99 they have six, seven, eight of them in their organization. They go into their bullpen. They help augment the, the starting pitchers, and they get to the playoffs. That, that's not really a sustainable way of winning. The sustainable way of winning is the old world way. It's always going to be develop starting pitching, and that's why Carter Hawkins is here. Bruce, as they continue to move on, before we get to a quick break to get to our next guest, do you think the Cubs are done reshaping their front office? Will Carter Hawkins bring in one of his guys? Will they seek help from uh, other organizations? Well, you know, we've heard about uh, the Cubs targeting, you know, an Astros executive that was also in the, the story by The Athletic. And we, we've heard uh, that, you know, Carter has other people he's looking at. And I think the, the, the beautiful thing is that Jed Hoyer is really open-minded to this next wave of executives that he's going to be working with. He has his top guys. There's a lot of really good people in the Cub organization that are already there. 
uh, Greenberg and Breslow, and uh, a lot of the scouts are outstanding uh, for the Chicago Cubs. But um, bringing in other ideas and other people who have been successful elsewhere, it's always a good idea, David. Yeah, and it's a good idea to look at what the Braves have done well because they remain alive. Game six of the NLCS tonight against the Dodgers. The Braves try to clinch, and we will talk a little bit about the Braves, a little bit about the Cubs, a little bit about everything with Chip Carey, the voice of the Atlanta Braves next, a guy who is familiar with Chicago, right here on Inside the Clubhouse, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. And in the air, right center, that ball is tattooed, and Freddie Freeman, a two-run blast. It had the sound, and Freeman puts the Braves on the board in the first inning. Welcome back inside the clubhouse, Chicago Sports Radio, 674. I'm David Hall with Bruce Levine. Here until 11 o'clock, talking baseball 52 weeks a year. Thank you to Valley Sports South for that highlight. And that is where we go to our guest hotline, sponsored by Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book, where we find a familiar voice and face and guy. Chip Carey, welcome to the program. Good morning. How are you? I'm doing great, guys. Good morning. Well, let's start with the Braves. Boy, I think, uh, Chip, when you look at the, they're on the precipice of a World Series, Game 6 tonight, as big of a moment as, as they, they get in baseball. How do you explain the fact the Braves have done what they've done after being where they were right around the trade deadline? Yeah, David, that's a really good point. I don't think that's gotten enough uh, credit nationally on the broadcasts uh, or, or really around uh, the, the Major League Baseball world. This team at one point was seven and a half games out of first place and floundering. Uh, at one point, they, they had lost their number one hitter, their number three hitter, uh, their cleanup hitter. They were without Max Fried for two separate stints on the injured list. Mike Soroka hasn't thrown a pitch for them all year. Uh, and somehow, some way, they've been able to keep this together. I think one of the main reasons is Brian Snitker. Uh, you know, if you have a, a a guy at the helm of a ship like this that doesn't have a lot of managerial experience or coaching experience, I don't think he's able to hold it together. But he did. Uh, he's been in the organization forty plus years, and he's experienced just about everything you can at every level of professional baseball. And he knew that if you could just stay close with this division. Uh, the talent that was already on this team, that they had a chance to, to be relevant. They did. They had a critical road trip to New York and Philadelphia at the end of July. They went 5-4 and four on that trip, came back home around four games out of first place, and Alex Adopoulos made the deal with the Cubs to get Jock Peterson, and uh, that really stabilized the, the, the entire lineup for about a week or so. And then, of course, all the other new faces parachuted in at the pretty deadline, and the Braves took off. So I give a ton of credit to the players. Obviously, they're the ones that do it on the field, but – Brian Snitker keeping this thing afloat, staying positive and believing that this team was good enough to win and giving Alex Anthopoulos a reason to go out at the deadline to, to get it done. That's, that's why the Braves are where they are. But as you said, still one more very difficult game to win against the Dodgers as uh, we know what happened to the Braves last year. So uh, we're not counting our chickens before they're hatched. Got to win tonight or tomorrow and then uh, face off with Dusty and the Astros in the World Series, we hope. Chip, great hearing from you and having you on with us today. So uh, it's always a pleasure to talk to you. I'm I'm just wondering uh, a little bit about Ian Anderson and the starting pitcher for the Braves tonight. And uh, all everything is pointing up for the Atlanta Braves. They have two games left at home. Hopefully they don't need to, uh, but they have them if they want them. And they have Anderson pitching at home where he's been uh, pretty much unbeatable. Talk a little bit about 
Anderson and what he brings to the table tonight? Yeah, that's a good question, Bruce. Uh, you know, he's he's a young kid, but he's not an inexperienced kid. Uh, if you recall last year when the Braves were trying to patch together their rotation after Mike Soroka got hurt, after Cole Hamels uh, couldn't pitch for them, uh, they were they were searching far and wide within the organization to find guys to get to the major leagues and pitch. And this kid came up in late August and September and really did a great job and pitched Game 7 of the NLCS last year. So, moments like this are not going to be too big for him. Uh, the things to look for with Ian Anderson, look, he's got a plus fastball, he's got a curveball that's developing, and he has an A-plus-plus changeup. Uh, but if he gets out of the first inning without any problems, usually right. usually he has a very, very good day. Uh, his first start against the Dodgers here did not go so well. He didn't have good stuff. He threw a ton of pitches in the first inning. And as I said, that's that's really been the, the, the telltale sign for him. If he's in the 20-23 pitch mark in the first inning with traffic, it's going to be a struggle. But if you don't get him, you may not, because after that he seems to settle in. And in a game of this magnitude, obviously, you can't afford to – uh, give guys a whole lot of chances to settle in and ease into a ball game. Really, you need him to come out, set the tone. A one-two-three first would be great. The Dodgers aren't going to have Max Scherzer starting Game Six, which is somewhat of a surprise. His arm is still dead, they said. So uh, L.A., who's used a ton of relief pitchers in this uh, series, I think they've made 36 or 38 pitching changes in the first five games. Right. Uh, they're going to have to have another bullpen game. It appears tonight in Game Six in Atlanta. Joined by Chip Carey, our buddy from Valley Sports South. And, uh, Chip, I think that when you look at the Braves, I I make this comparison. You know, Freddie Freeman is not underrated, but maybe underappreciated. He's an MVP. And in in Chicago, you know, we have a a similar, I think, uh, dynamic with Jose Abreu. Everybody in town understands the value and what he offers, not just on the field but in the clubhouse. And Freddie Freeman strikes me as the same type of guy. 12 years in Atlanta. Is he – and he starts this. He starts, uh, you know, the um, seven state straight strikeouts. I think in in the series, and then you look at him and you look at his average. Just the epitome of consistency. What would it mean for him to win this series and to be this team that they have become in the postseason? Oh, it'd be huge. It'd be you know kind of his signature moment. Look, every player that uh, spends his entire career with one franchise wants that crowning achievement. Chipper Jones has an MVP. And said to Freddie, well, you've got one of those now, but I've got one more thing that you need to get, and that's, uh, you know, World Series ring. Uh, if you recall, at the start of spring training, Freddie Freeman was very vocal about the, the chances of this club, at least on paper. It was World Series or bust. And with all the injuries that I spoke of earlier and the ineffective play in the division, it looked like it was going to be bust. And in the first six weeks, Freddie Freeman had a big hand in that. He'd tell you, he was hitting under 200, wasn't driving in runs. Uh, nobody on this team other than Ronald Acuna, Erde Adrianza, and Pablo Sandoval in uh, pinch hitting appearances was doing anything offensively. But around the first week of May, Freddie Freeman stepped it up and he turned into the MVP. He's, uh, he's just been unbelievably good. And to your point about consistency, that's exactly right. He's a guy that wants to play every inning of every game. Uh, he, you know, he, he, he signs up for 162. And uh, in this day and age of, of flexibility and, and, and uh, lineup manipulations and the like, that's really a wonderful treat for a manager to know that they can pencil him in in that number two or number three spot on the lineup card. And, oh, by the way, he can anchor your defense. So defense, which, by the way, I think is the best in baseball. Uh, that's that's a wonderful thing to have, and uh, we're lucky to have Freddie Freeman not just as a player but as a person. He's a great role model, great husband, great father. You know, he's he's kind of a uh, you know, look, he's every writer or broadcaster's dream to cover because he's such a pro's pro. And obviously, we're still waiting to hear when he's going to re-sign up with the Braves. That's uh, I guess the, the 
elephant in the room down here. But Alex Anthopoulos has said, and Freddie has said that, you know, look, the team wants the player, the player wants the team. So uh, I think we're all confident, albeit, uh, you know, waiting, that uh, he'll, he'll re-up with the Braves and he'll finish up his career and probably have number five raised to the Raptors when he's done playing. Chip Carey, our guest for a few more minutes on Inside the Clubhouse. And Chip, uh, the Dodgers just announced that uh, Walker, Buehler, Walker Buehler will be the uh, starting pitcher tonight. With, with that in mind, um, what are your thoughts, uh, him again on short rest? As you mentioned, all the different uh, bullpen pitchers, how worn out Dodger pitching is. And uh, if, if indeed they, they get to a Game 7 with Bueller going tonight, uh, does the pressure turn then again on Atlanta, even though they're at home? Yeah, absolutely, it does. The Braves led this series three-one. Uh, you know, you you have no Kershaw, you have no Bauer, you had no David Price, who's now been added to their roster. That Justin Turner is out. Uh, you know, Max Muncie is out. Uh, if ever there was a golden opportunity for the Braves to knock off the Dodgers, this is it. But this is what makes LA so difficult. They have a incredibly deep and flexible roster. And yes, I, I think uh, you know it may work out for LA. I hope it doesn't. But all these uh, pitching manipulations that they have used, pitching guys on short rest, look, we saw it affect Scherzer. It's affected Urias. It affected Bueller in his first start. But they're, you know, their backs are against the wall. They've got to send their best guy out today and hope they can get to game seven. And maybe another day's rest would get Scherzer back for them. Or they can go to a bullpen game, which, as we've seen, has been a very, very difficult prospect for either one of these offenses to, uh, to try to work against. Uh, but look, Walker Buehler's incredibly talented. He's been a very, very uh, tough pitcher. Uh, the Braves got to jump on him early, and they've got to play small ball and do all the little things that got them here in the first place. Hit behind runners, steal bases, uh, do all the little things that we don't see a lot of in regular season play. And uh, again, hopefully a home crowd will be the difference maker for Atlanta, which again, they lost a 3-1 series lead in a neutral site World Series or NLCS last year. Uh, Truist Park has been absolutely a madhouse. Uh, for the first two games of this LCS, we expect nothing different tonight on a Saturday when the Georgia Bulldogs are off this weekend. Falcons <laughs> don't play till tomorrow. I mean, the uh, the entire southeastern sporting uh, focus will be on Truist Park, Atlanta for the Dodgers in game six tonight. We can't wait for the challenge. You know, Chip, I think Jock Peterson was here for half a season and people uh, gravitated toward him and they, they understood what, what made it hard for to say goodbye to him because of his infectious personality. How would you describe the Jock Peterson effect on the Atlanta Braves? Because it's been fun to watch. Yeah, David, did you give him your pearls? You can tell. You can tell your audience now. Uh, uh, look, he, you know, he, he's brought an edge. Uh, you know, he's brought an edge, and I, I think what's so fun and what Alex Anthopoulos has said so many times is that we don't just trade for players here. We're trading for people as well. And those guys have to fit into the room. He said he made that mistake in Toronto when he just made trades and didn't evaluate what the effect of those trades would have on his clubhouse. And he's been a very, very adept dealer in that regard. And to that point, as I said, Jock's got an edge, as you know. He is an accomplished October performer. Uh, he is not phased by any situation or any moment. Look, it takes, takes a lot of courage in the Deep South to show up with a, with a string of real pearls in a Major League Baseball game to pack it up and, and, and do what he's been able to do. So, uh, look, he's he's beloved by his teammates. He's performing well. Uh, so you know the old the old saying, you know, it, it's not bragging or it's not crazy if you back it up. Well, he's backing it up, and 
Uh, I fully expect Jock Peterson to have a role in whatever the Braves do, not just in this series, but the one going forward if they advance to face the Astros. And uh, just another one of those uh, excellent acquisitions that Alex made at the exact right time. They needed a lift, and he came in in that first week after Acuna blew out his knee and really stabilized the lineup and gave this team a little swagger back because they were reeling. And, uh, you know, Jock Peterson's played a big role in where the Braves are for sure. Chip, you guys have a great manager in Brian Snitker, but no no uh, manager is any good without really great coaches. And I just want to know the impact of Ron Washington on those great infielders. You talked about the, the tremendous uh, defense that the Braves throw out there every day. Uh, but just from the, the confidence factor and the way that he connects uh, with those players, explain the, the, the Washington factor on the Atlanta Braves. It's incalculable. Uh, I'll give you a couple of numbers. Over the last 100 games, Dancy Swanson at shortstop made four errors. Four. Over the last 90 games or so at third base, Austin Riley, I think, made four errors. I don't think Freddie Freeman has made an error in three months. Ozzie Albies maybe has made two errors in the last three months of this season. That's just the defensive side of it. Uh, you talked about the, the swagger, the braggadocio, the aggressiveness as the third base coach. Ron Washington won game two of this LCS with those two aggressive sends against the Dodgers here in Atlanta. If he doesn't do that, the Braves probably aren't ahead in this series and maybe out of this series. Uh, Ron uh, is out on the field tirelessly working with these infielders. They do the same drill every single day, day game after night game, uh, you know, a long road trip, a short homestand, you name it, he's out there. And to give you a little insight into what Ron Washington is like as a baseball lifer, the Braves were playing in Philadelphia a couple of years ago. It was hot, sticky. It was August. Braves were in first place, but a big series with the Phillies. They'd lost a heartbreaking game the night before. Ron had finished all of his drills with the infielders. Uh, and if you've seen the Braves, he's out, out with his fungo on a knee, hitting ground balls to guys six feet away, and that's a, an integral part of their preparation. But Ron had been out there for about an hour and a half. I mean, per, just soaked in perspiration. One of the clubhouse kids walked up to Washington and said, Hey, uh, Mr. Washington, I'm a high school baseball player, and I saw you doing those drills with the guys. If you have time, could you tell me what those drills are? Wash said, do you have your glove? He said, yeah. He said, go get it. Kid runs to the locker room, comes out and runs for another half hour, works with one of the clubhouse kids. Not even a major league player doing those exact same drills. Uh, The man is a priceless treasure. Uh, When I was doing TBS games, I got to the ballpark early uh, to go talk to him for an hour before our crew call just because I love talking baseball with that man. I hope he gets a chance to manage, but that would be a bittersweet thing for all of us who appreciate him so much because uh, as much as he would mean to another organization, that would mean a real big hole that we would have to fill here in Atlanta because he's been that impactful here. He's a he's a treasure. He's a lifer. He's a great guy. I know he's made some mistakes, as we all have in the past, but I really hope that Ron Washington gets a second chance because a guy like him really deserves it. Great stuff, Chip. Really appreciate it. Thank you. And all of the best this weekend. Enjoy the ride. Hopefully it, it extends for uh, another week or so. David, Bruce, I appreciate you guys. All the best. Keep up the great work, and we'll see you next year at Wrigley, okay? Yep, sure thing. Chip Carey, the voice of the Atlanta Braves, Valley Sports South, and everybody in Chicago remembers Chip Carey, Bruce. He's on the uh, – you can hear the excitement in his voice. It's a, it's a fun time to be uh, calling Braves games and to be in that atmosphere. One of the great people in the game as well. Just a terrific individual and an outstanding broadcaster. Thanks uh, to him for bringing some enlightenment into uh, the Braves world and uh, see if they can put the Dodgers away tonight. We have more to do. A lot yeah, more to we do, do, David. 
Yeah, we're going to bring in Randy Bush, the outgoing or I guess reassigned Cubs executive. He's still going to be part of the organization, just going to be splitting his time going back down to Florida. We will talk to Randy Bush next here on Inside the Clubhouse, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.